This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 601 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. The Human Target kicks off part two, Clark, Bruce, and Watergate, the first eight months of Eight Billion Genies, and a lightning round with flashpoints, teams, lower decks, wild cards, London rivers, and fables. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or you can subscribe with your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review somewhere. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. Or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. The Human Target Book 7 from DC Black Label by King and Smallwood. After a long delay and a recent special, the second half of this novel kicks off. Chance is out in the town with fire, We meet with them in a nightclub and watch them dance as song lyrics talk about good and bad girls. Some thugs break in to rob the place and Fire takes them down without stopping the dance. Later, Fire wants to ride on a Ferris wheel, and Chance plays Luthor on the phone to get one opened up for her. Lex is going to be so mad, you know. Eh, what's he going to do? Poison me? They discuss why he thinks she's the murderer, and and she goes into a monologue about being the girl everyone wants to kiss. She asks him, what do you want? And he says, I want you to catch me, as he throws himself off the ride. And she does. He tells her they're even so she can admit her guilt. After a few slaps, we cut to the next day with Chance in bed with Ice. She came in overnight to be with him. Ice gets a call from Fire, and they go meet her. She admits that she got the money from John and the water from Booster, but she didn't do it. Instead, she got it for Guy. So he's the murderer? The problem is, he's dead. Ice killed him. As always, the artwork is incredible. Superman Space Age Book 2 by Russell Allred and Allred. Metropolis, 1972. Soups stops a pimp from attacking her girls, taking him off to New Mexico. Hey, man, you can't do that. I've got rights. I know you do, and I respect that, sir. You can exercise them in New Mexico. Clark has a drink with Lois, milk, of course, before stopping an asteroid from destroying Earth, then goes to an interview with Lois as Superman. She keeps asking him how the world can trust a man with so much power, and he keeps saying he saved the world from an asteroid, darn it. Back at the fortress, he asked a holographic Jor-El about it, who replies that they feared themselves, assuming he would do what they would. In Gotham, Bruce has stepped down from Wayne Enterprises to devote his life to street-level fights. Unfortunately, Wayne Enterprises goes on, now with CEO Max Lord, focusing on arms sales and clearing out the city so people move to the suburbs. There's a spate of arsons and Bruce can't keep up with it. 
Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, Bruce realizes that he's funding the world's most expensive debate club. There's talk of the trolley problem, and Bruce and Ollie quit. Later, Bruce breaks into Wayne Enterprises, finds evidence of their misdeeds, and sends the info to the papers. Unfortunately, they refer to him as an anonymous hippie. Clark finds Barry at the Hall of Justice learning how to disarm bombs. Perry pulls Clark off the Watergate story, giving it to Lois. Clark explains how the whole thing was an amateur job and not really a story. Lois replies, just because someone is powerful, that doesn't mean they're smart. Clark goes back to Smallville and commiserates with Ma and Pa Kent. Lois seems to be slipping away. Another Lois interview, and there's talk of how Jonathan Kent survived the war, involving another seaman lying to Kent that a rescue ship was coming. Hope is the lie we make come true. On another Earth, a Superman surveys a world destroyed by Brainiac. Turns out Brainy is collecting resources to fight a new foe, the Anti-Monitor, and asks this Superman to join him. Back on regular Earth, Hal tells the team about Brainiac, stating they need to prepare. Another Lois interview. This time, Superman tells her about Kryptonite and the Red Sun. He figures if someone would go to the trouble of finding Kryptonite, he probably deserves what he gets. He tells her to print it and that they need to trust one another. Later, other Planet reporters, angry about losing White House credentials due to Lois's work, attack her. Clark defends her and reads them the riot act. Lois and Clark let down their defenses and kiss. Back to Bruce and a fundraiser at Wayne Manor. Frustrated at the lack of interest in Wayne Enterprises' malfeasance, he swaps clothes with Alfred, who puts a bag on his head as Batman drags in Bruce. Batman gets them to listen, telling Max Lord, For every building you take from Gotham, I will take one of yours, and remotely blows up the Wayne's downtown headquarters. Since Lord torched two buildings that night, he also blows up Wayne Manor. I was a little confused there and wondered, did he kill everybody who was in Wayne Manor? I have to assume they somehow got everybody out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. We don't know. In 1974, Lois breaks the Watergate story and Clark decides to tell her his identity, which, of course, she already knew. They later wed and get down to some lovin' in the back of the limo. In 1975, Lois, Clark, and now baby John visit the fortress. The timing is bad as Jorel detects Brainiac. The League meets with Brainy, who explains the stakes. They need to harvest the world's resources and join up to fight Anti-Monitor. The rest of the world is, in his opinion, already dead. Instead, there's a battle, and it doesn't go well until Barry's stash of bombs goes off in Brainy's ship. He dropped them off while they were all chatting. Hell goes to finish the job and gets skewered instead. With the odds now against him, Brainiac bugs out, telling Clark he really only needs him. Hal is dead, and Brainy checks with the other multidimensional Brainies, telling them he didn't harvest this Earth, as this Clark would never agree to help him if he did. Hal is buried, Bruce takes over Wayne Enterprises again, and Clark reunites with Lois and John, now a boy. Assuming we're going with the original timeline, we are less than a decade from crisis. Eight Billion Genies, number five of eight, from Image, by Sewell and Brown. We begin with a flashback to 1980 and a man named Floyd Fawn. We follow him from infancy to adulthood every time running into people who won't believe his ideas or in him. In 2022, at a city council meeting, Floyd goes up to speak about a new idea, which is when the genies arrive. I wish people would believe in me. Interesting. Looking forward to seeing how that one works out. 
the first eight months. Human population, 50 million. Genie population, 458,000. Sun Man has arrived at the domed city and meets the Idea Man, a.k.a. Floyd. He's created a paradise with judicious use of wishes by the community. They are self-sustaining, wish-proofed, and still have a 45% genie retention rate, meaning 45% of the community haven't used their wish yet. Sun Man asks to bring his parents there, what Floyd calls a potent, a remnant, and a spent. It's too dangerous to bring his parents there right now as the world outside of safe zones is irradiated. But Floyd has a plan. A team is working on a perfect wish to fix the world. Back to the bar, now alone in a wasteland, the bartender explains that someone made a wish to scour the world clean. And this was the result. Now they're stuck inside. Month four. The group plays the game of who's still alive and the genies tell them. Alex asks the genie if he could make a wish to fix things, but is told it's very complicated. Whose vision of the correct world is right? Month five. Sun Man's dad begins painting a huge mural. Li Feng, preps for her upcoming birth, worried that the baby, who will get her own genie, might wish for something bad accidentally. The genies explain that they only accept wishes from those who can express things clearly, so they need to be able to talk first. Month 6. Sun Man's parents wonder why he hasn't returned, and a genie says he wants to, but is trapped. His mom says she's going to find him, realizing she can't die, she's a remnant. Li Feng's water breaks at that moment, and they all spring into action. Unfortunately, Li Feng is hemorrhaging and needs the other guys from the band to use a wish to save her. They hesitate, Wang threatens them, but Li Feng and the baby survive anyway. See, it all worked out. Month 7. Back at the domed city, the team has come up with the wish to save the world. It's written like a legal contract with lots of definitions and caveats. It takes Floyd hours to read it out, and a genie says, Sure, whatever, you got it. Back at the bar, a wave of energy flows over the area, and the world is back the way it was, except that all the people who died remain dead. The boys from the band go off since their betrayal of the group has made them pariahs. Daisy goes with them, hoping to make up for wasting her wish. Two weeks later, the Zangs and their new daughter decide to leave as well, hoping to find a better place to raise her. Month 8, the bartender and Sun's parents are all that are left. Sun Man then arrives and flies them off to the Dome City, leaving the bartender alone. Next issue, the first eight years. Flashpoint Beyond, number five of six, by John Sheridan, Adams, Zermanico, Janin, Fajardo Jr., and Belair. This issue begins two days after the Dark Crisis, spoiler, the good guys win, as we watch an interview show with Mr. Terrific and Dr. Baxter of the Time Masters. Terrific is all about everything matters, and Baxter replies, when it matters in our hearts. There's a ton of references to DC crises, and then Baxter pops out of existence. Meanwhile, Earth Zero Bats meets with Raza Ghoul, who gives him evidence that Thomas is still alive. Back to Flashpoint Earth, with Thomas on his way back to Arkham, Oswald reveals secrets about the Dent family, and Thomas replies, It doesn't matter, which is what Joe Chill said to the Wayne family before killing Bruce. At Arkham, Martha, a.k.a. Joker, confronts Gilda, a.k.a. Two-Face, just before Thomas breaks in. Gilda runs away with her son while Thomas and Martha fight it out. Gilda relates that she spoke to Psycho Pirate before killing him and now knows this is not the way it's supposed to be. Joker is a man named 
Jack Oswald White. Is this his actual name? They break into a hidden room at Arkham where Martha has been making plans and a time bubble. Now they can save Bruce. Back on Earth Zero, Rip and the Time Masters break into the Batcave. This has become terrifically confusing. Well, we've got a lot more to cover from the last month, so let's activate the lightning round. Justice League vs. Legion of Superheroes number 6 of 6 by Bendis, Kudlewski, and Cody. Bendis lands the plane with a deus ex machina. The whole thing was caused by Vandal Savage. He and Bruce are now in the 1800s, where he plans to ensure the Age of Heroes never happens, starting with Jonah Hex. He used discarded Oa tech to destroy the timeline. But the League and Legion are one step ahead. This whole thing is happening inside the Gold Lantern Ring. Gold Lantern dissolves Savage, the Guardians kick off a new Gold Lantern Corps, and everybody pats themselves on the back. As usual, a great beginning and a meh ending. Star Trek Lower Decks Number 1 from IDW by North and Fenoglio. Fenoglio? I would guess. If you're not watching Lower Decks on Paramount+, Plus, you're really missing out. I would say this is the best new Star Trek. Engaging characters, Easter eggs in abundance, and a real love of Trek. The USS Cerritos resolves an issue between an alien race and some space hippies, while the Lower Deckers run the Dixon Hill Holodeck program. Mariner is bored and calls up various versions of the Enterprise with matching uniforms. Unfortunately, they accidentally release Dracula under the Professor Moriarty Protocol. Meanwhile, an away mission to a warp-capable planet goes awry as they find a medieval society. Again, go watch the series. The comic is good, too. Wild Cards, drawing of cards number three from Marvel by Cornell, Balaam, Townsend, and Redmond. We continue with the retelling of the first novel, this issue covering the origin story of Croyd Crenson, a.k.a. The Sleeper, an ace who gets a new power every time he wakes up. We read these books many years ago, and so it's almost like rediscovering the story. Rivers of London, Deadly Ever After number four from Titan by Bronfman, Cartmel, and Baroy. Chelsea is forced to sing the soundtrack to Cats in a knockoff of The Little Mermaid, while Olympia asks Bev for help. Bev goes off while Olympia watches her kids until she also bolts to save her sister. She gets Phoebe to jump off a bridge so that Jeter will appear to save her, and Olympia can shoot him, making him go back to his world. Phoebe at first protects him, but then stabs him in the back, allowing Olympia to fire the arrow, and all goes back to normal, as normal as things are in this continuity. Chelsea and Olympia wind up doing community service, cleaning up the park. Fables number 155 from DC Black Label by Willingham, Buckingham, and Lealoa. Ambrose returns from his adventures. Blossom turns into a gorilla to break open a chest, which lets out a demon. Connor finds out his hero companion has no trouble with killing anyone he considers a possible villain. Cinderella breaks into the Pentagon meeting to help them create a new agency to deal with her kind. Green Jack and Mrs. Bear adjust to life in New York City, where Peter Pan and Tink are on the hunt. This was just a lot of new storylines being set up, I think. AnnouncerBot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. 
Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.